Welcome to a new episode of the Consistent Performance Podcast. Being successful as an agency owner or online entrepreneur is not just about accumulating more and more information, but it's about better implementation and execution. Because when you're able to be truly consistent with the right habits and actions, both in your business as well as your life in general, that's when the magic happens. That's why on this podcast, we give you the right strategies and frameworks for you to be able to achieve consistent energy and consistent performance so that you're able to grow your business the most efficient and effective way possible without sacrificing yourself, your health, or burning out along the way. I'm your host, Killian Markert. Let's get started. And welcome, everybody, to another episode. Today, I have a very, very anticipated guest on our show and this guy we have been planning this for a while already and now we finally made it happen today i have franbo from agency rocket fuel on our show and these guys i've heard lots of good things about what they do for agency owners what they do is basically they help marketing agencies scale sustainably without burnout without stress without those 100 hour work weeks you know that, that a lot of agency owners have by implementing automation systems and also a remote team and Franbo basically learned all of these things he studied industrial engineering at university and he took those principles and applied that you know to the marketing industry and Franbo is a wealth of knowledge we already did an interview in his group which I highly recommend for you to check out as well and we talked about lots of good stuff and today I'm also excited we're going to drop a lot of value about outsourcing about systems how you can scale your agency in a sustainable way and very importantly how you can also achieve that level of freedom in your personal life all right without further ado franbo man i'm excited to have you on the show dude i am so happy to be here you gave a really good interview right in our group um some of our team members actually watched it and they told me during one of our team huddles that dude that killing guy was amazing i implemented a lot of strategies that he kind of you know talked about in the interview so I just hope I can give as much value in your group as much as you did two hours, man. So, hundred percent, no doubt about that. I have no doubt about that. So, for guys listening, get get ready, get a pen and paper, and write down some good nuggets that we're gonna share. So, Franco, man, you have a lot of things actually that I found were super interesting that you shared with me. Your own transition from making four dollars per hour as a virtual assistant and now running a seventy k per month agency. And so this is like uh, really that shows people, you know what you're talking because you have walked the talk, you've done it, right? So I would say, man, let's start out like this. You have seen what it is to, to how, what it takes to, you know, run an agency like this and what it needs. And what would you say agency owners right now trying to scale their agency? What are the most common and the biggest mistakes you see people making and maybe you can tell us a little bit about your own lessons about your own story how you realize that and the lessons you learned along the way dude it's uh, it's been a crazy ride i i didn't know i would be where i'm at right now right when i was uh so i was a virtual assistant making four dollars an hour in fact my very first project as a virtual assistant was 25 bucks and i spent an entire week just trying to fulfill for that one client right it was like i had to make like a spreadsheet or something right for like it was crazy like i, I spent like 20 hours and I was like, I made my first 25 bucks online. I was like, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> and so I was <laughs> nice. like, this is cool, right? This is cool, right? I, uh, you know, I'm able to make money 
I don't know who this person is, but it's like, you know, it just popped out out of thin air. Fast forward, it's like, you know, we uh, we run two businesses. One is an advertising agency, right? And another is like, we build systems for clients. And collectively, you know, we're doing about 90K actually, like just the, the previous month. So it's been, it's been a, it's a very good transition, right? We've been very lucky. But I think one of the biggest mistakes is like, we help a lot of agency owners and we run an agency ourselves, right? Is that a lot of people, they, they scale for the sake of scale. Right. They just, mm. they just want to get to that seven figure mark or whatever revenue it is that they want. And it's, it's cool. Right. You can do that. But it's like, they don't really know why they want to do that. Right. Maybe mm. they've been pressured by society. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's some other, some other friend that maybe had their own agency. And what they soon realize is that once they get to that 30, 50 K, 70 K, whatever K it is, right. Whatever your goal is burnout starts to happen and burnout mm-hmm. starts to happen because they didn't even have the vision in the first place and they didn't even know why they just wanted to scale because it was cool right or it's like they don't even love marketing in the first place like i saw a gentleman one time he was like i want to get to 70k a month but i hate marketing like i don't want to run ads so i was like well why do you want to run an agency right you kind of have to you know like have passion for it right like actually like what you're doing right not just the money because like once you get the money and you, you you hate where you are, it's like, and I'm sure you know this, Gillian, right? It's like, you know, you'll just, it's just burnout and overwhelm and all that. So before you even think about scaling, you got to have the honest conversation with yourself of like, what does scale really mean to you? And is this something that you're willing to do for years and years at a time? Right? Yeah. Hopefully that makes and sense. And that, that makes total sense, man. And I've seen a lot of people, they get into a, building a marketing agency more as a lifestyle business. And they have like, ah, I just want to support a lifestyle. I want to travel, but they don't have passion for this. You know, they just want to do it for a while. And of course, if you want to have an agency bit on the side and you want to support your lifestyle, um, that's fine. But if you would, like you said, you want to scale, right? You want to right, build systems because at some point you need those. Otherwise, you're building yourself a golden cage. Because you think like, oh, I'll just have this business a little bit, but you have another nine to five job, right? It just work, work, work all the time. And you don't even have the freedom that you wanted. So let's say people, you know, they ask themselves that and they really say, I want to build an agency. And do you think that people need to have that passion for an agency in particular? Or do you think that people just need to be entrepreneurial, have that entrepreneur mindset? Because let me give you an example. I've worked with a few agency owners as well. And, you know, young guys like us, basically, and they said, yeah, agency is cool now. I like it, but I also don't know if I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, right? Because I'm like entrepreneur and maybe later on I'm going to build a brand or something like this. What's your experience there? How how firm do you need to be on your vision when you're starting out? What's the best foundation to build a sustainable business there? Look, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I've seen and I have a lot of clients where it's like, they start an agency out of necessity, right? Like yeah. they needed the money, you know, they had a family, they had kids, they just needed something to get some cash in the door, right? It wasn't like they woke up one day and it's like, I love marketing, I'm going to do this, right? Most of the time it's yeah. not like that, right? Let's be honest. Like even even for me, when I started an agency, it's like, it was it was for the money, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I had an inclination. I knew deep down inside that I had an inclination for marketing and I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed copywriting, right? Yeah. Um, for some of our clients, they didn't figure that out at first. They had that imp- entrepreneurial mindset, right? That drive. But then they also realized that they like shooting content, right? They like mm-hmm. thinking out, thinking about big ideas and then like different hooks and offers and all that. So there has to be some some element, right? Of like you actually enjoying the process because it's going to help. 
right? When times get hard, when campaigns flop, you know, when your clients aren't happy, that passion will help you keep moving forward, right? If you don't have that, it might be a bit shaky, might be a bit tricky, but it's not an absolute ne like necessity, but it, it's super helpful if you really want to play the long game, right? The, yeah. the long game, if that makes sense. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. And, and basically, this leads us also to this idea where a lot of people think about this idea of like, what's my zone of genius, right? What is kind of, you know, what I should be focusing on. That's what I always hear is the first thing or like it's one of the elements to focus on when, when systemizing. What should I outsource? What should I keep doing? And so on. So going into this, I would ask you directly, at what stage does it make sense to systemize and outsource if you would even, you know, uh, differentiate between those two? And what would be the first thing to start outsourcing and systemizing in your business? Yeah, so I like to think about this way, right? There's like three parts of business. There's more, but it's like generally there's sales, marketing, fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when you're starting out, you need to focus on sales like as a business owner, right? You sell, you market, you get clients in the door, and then you fulfill, right? When it comes to outsourcing, I think sales should be outsourced last. Right. You need to mm -hmm. kind of get your fulfillment systems together. Right. Then you try to find a team that can take over that role, take over that part of the business. And then as a, as an entrepreneur, as an owner, you start to market and then start to sell. And then you outsource marketing. And then you lastly, you outsource sales. That's what we did. Some clients, they try to do it the other way around, but 80% of the time, I, I feel like that's a much better process where it's like, okay, when it comes to systematizing, it's fulfillment, marketing, and then lastly, sales. Now, in terms of when that happens, there's no hard rule, but it's like, so there's two, two things that I think about this, right? Sometimes it's like you get overwhelmed with fulfillment because you're charging too low, right? And the easy fix for that is like, just charge higher, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like if you can get to your revenue level, let's say 30K, 40K, 50K with having half of the clients that you have now, that's a much better fix than trying to build all these great systems, right? It's much better to just like, okay, just double your prices if you can. Right. If you know that you can provide good value in the market, that way you hit your, your revenue level much quicker, right? With having lesser clients. If you're able to do that and you're still kind of, you know, overwhelmed, you feel like you can't work on the business. You feel like a good indicator is like you reach the end of the day and you're like, what the hell did I just do today? Right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't move anything forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you get to that place and you feel like that's been happening over and over and over again, it's time to just zoom out. Let's try to think about, okay, maybe I need to outsource some of these things. Maybe I need to systematize, right? It might be 10K for some, might be 100K mm -hmm. for some, right? The economics of business is different, but it's like, that's kind of like the feeling that I look out for, where it's like, that's a very good indicator that you need to start thinking about these things. Yeah. And what is the, that's also a question I face a lot with when working with clients, you know, sometimes you have uh, people, they face issues like procrastination and also overwhelm in their agency. And sometimes it's a fine line between them having just resistance to do a task and basically they should push through and, and make sure that they do the task consistently. And other times it's just the fact that they should outsource this task, right? So where would you draw the line there? You know, for example, for some people in the beginning, when we focus on, for example, uh, marketing lead generation and things like that as well uh where is it where people say oh i don't want to send those emails or do cold calling or you know whatever it is and uh, what when do you say should these tasks be outsourced and when is it that they say no you gotta just do it yourself you gotta push through what's your take on that you brought us something interesting earlier when you said the zone of genius 
right? I think I think that's a very good place to start of like what gets you up in the morning, right? Like, what do you mm-hmm. enjoy? For some people, it might be, dude, I know some people, they just love to cold call. I hate that shit. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do that, right? Yeah. So it depends on what your zone of genius is, right? Um, same a business partner, he Reinhardt, right? He loves to just geek out on spreadsheets and code and all that. If I ask him to just let go of that, he will probably start to deteriorate, right? His energy, mm. you know, like it'll like it's, he'll just drop dead, right? So it's like you got to ask yourself, like, what is my zone of genius? What gets me up in the morning? Once you figure that out, start to think about every single part of your business that's necessary for the business to survive, right? But you're currently doing right now, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of like the very first step, right? So once you've kind of figured out what your zone of genius is. And you kind of need to do a mind dump of like, okay, what do I do in the business, right? From point A to point Z, right? By, you know, from the appointment to the sales call to close in and all that up to fulfillment. Like, what do I do, right? This is where you get a piece of paper, Google Doc, just type everything out, okay? Now, general rule is if you do something more than three times, right? And there's no kind of like, you know, you don't really change what you do. It's just the same thing over and over again. Chances are automation can do that or you can hire someone else to do that, Mm. right? My general rule is if I do it for the first time, I'll do it. Second time, you know, there might be any improvements. If I do it for the third time, I've pretty much mastered that like particular task already. And that's when I'm like, okay, this isn't in my zone of genius. I've done this three times on my own. I think I can outsource this. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And and would you say that people can do that directly at the start of their agency journey? Or where, you know, the biggest objection I see is people say, yeah, I can't outsource right now because it's too expensive, you know? And it's like, I can't hire a team, for example. And, you know, I just need to do all of that myself. So where is the line where people should say, hey, keep doing it yourself? Or where should people say, no, directly outsource as much as you can? What's your take on this? Outsourcing everything right from the start and getting into that zone of genius as quickly as you can? Or also, you know, collecting some experience in all of these tasks? How would you approach that? I can speak from my own experience. I I did everything first, right? I mm. personally, I just want to master things on my own first. Because when I teach someone else, right, it's much easier to teach them because you've kind of been through that process, right? So I would honestly do everything first on my own, right? But I've always been in this mindset of like, once I do it three times, and I just keep doing the same thing over and over again, like there's no use for me to do that like on my own. Yeah. And that's always yeah. been my magic number. It's like number like number three, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's like, I also need to know the financials of the company because obviously like, you know, like it depends. Like, are you staying in, in Thailand? Or are you staying in the US? Because like the cost of living is different. So it's like yeah. whatever kind of like kind of percentage of your of your revenue you have in order to find some other people, like whatever the number is, you know, usually there's a percentage, right? That would be a good indicator as well. Of like, can you outsource or not? Right. So it's like if you're starting out, maybe you're making 3K, 4K, right? Maybe you're charging too little. Like you don't have to kind of build a team around that, right? And like outsource, right? But it's like maybe you're 5K, 10K, maybe you have some wiggle room there. Maybe get a, an executive assistant, maybe get a someone to help you out with, you know, let's say a typical Facebook ads agency, right? Just setting up the Facebook ads and the goal high level. Like you do that, it's the same thing over and over again. So you can find someone else in the world to do that so that you can focus on selling more, right? So, so if I were to kind of summarize that, Right. Zone of genius, rule of three, and then look at the financials of, of the company. Right. So tip, like for us, we follow this method from Adam Rundle, where it's like 
Um, for done-for-you agencies, typically 50, 45 to 55% of revenue goes to labor and ads, right? More so labor mm-hmm. than ads, right? For a done-for-you agency. So if you're a coaching program or info infopreneur, that percentage will be different. But generally, that's a good number to look at, right? For for done-for-you agencies. That that's that's pretty pretty helpful, I think, for people watching right now. That rule of three is great, and it also that percentage. And so, just to give give some practical advice, you would say first you would hire the fulfillment, right? For done for you, that would be the person taking over the Facebook ads and the setup. Second, what would you uh, hire then? Like marketing assistants, or what would you do then? Okay, so here's what I would do. This is what we advise clients. Okay, it, it's. It's good practice to just like figure out what your core fulfillment process is. And when I say core fulfillment process, like what is the one thing that your clients buy, right? Are they buying appointments from your agency? Are they buying SEO, right? Whatever that core fulfillment process is, whatever you sold that client on, there's there's steps for that, right? Like what do you actually do from point A to point Z to deliver for the client? Now, yeah. once you figure out what your core fulfillment process is, Focus on creating SOPs around that, right? If, if you know automations and try to automate it. If you don't, then just like SOPs delegate it out. Really focus on the core fulfillment process because if you think about it, right, on a high level, that's the thing that you're selling. So if you know with 100% predictability that whenever a client is onboarded and, you know, the fulfillment is predictable, it's clear, everyone knows exactly what they need to do, right? You can sell as much as you can because you know that when you sell five clients today, you have that confidence and clarity that your team, right, will take care of your client. And that's what yeah. stops people from, from scaling because they, they add five more clients and they realize, oh shit, I need to, I need to fulfill, right? I need mm. to actually, I need to actually work, right? And so, yeah. So fulfillment first, figure out your core fulfillment process, find the right people, right? Do you need media buyers, copywriters, creatives? Do you just need an executive assistant, whatever it is to outsource and delegate that out. Once that's done, you proceed with, marketing, right? If you can find someone to help you run ads for your business, if you can find someone to help you outreach, you know, to in LinkedIn or whatever it is, I do that first because, you know, as the owner, you're the one that cl- that's closing the deals. And once marketing is kind of like, is, is predictable, right? Then you move on to finding closers, finding people to actually close the deals. And once you get to that stage, it's like you have your calendar in front of you and it's all mostly white and it's like, it's clear, right? You can do whatever you want. It's it's it's, yeah. it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, that's nice. And that's guys listening right now. That's a perfect example of how structure creates freedom. Because look at this. This is a nice structure. He, uh, Franbo describes right now of how you set up your systems and your your processes in your business, and therefore you have stru- uh, freedom at the end of the day. So that that's yeah. amazing. Uh, I, I love that love that example. Uh, can, can you give a few more uh, example and tips? on automations, right? We mainly talked Hmm. about outsourcing. What are automations that are maybe low-hanging fruits? And then what what should people implement step-by-step there? Sure, I'll give you two, right? Um, If you implement these two automations, these two things, Jesus Christ, you'll save hours and hours every single week. So first is what we call the pre-enrollment automation. And if you guys want some training on this, like we have free training um, in our group, or, you know, I can drop it somewhere here where we actually walk you through how to set it up. Like you don't even have to be a private client, like literally. So first is the pre-enrollment automation. All this does is automatically send out a proposal to a client, right? Because for a lot of agencies out there, the t- their typical sales process is discovery call. And then, you know, they do a demo and it's like they send a proposal. And it's like, I know of a client, they got to 50K a month 
literally by just like duplicating a word file, trying to fill out all the details, uploading that into sign requests or whatever, and then mapping out the fields. And it's like, it's a whole lot of work. If you're having five or six calls a day and you have to do that five or six times, it's like, that's like an hour, an hour and a half each, right? So the pre automation, literally what you do is you fill up a form, right? It, there's structure there. Once you click submit on that form, it will automatically send out the proposal. All the fields get mapped out, you know, like you don't even have to duplicate whatever, right? It's just done. And then you can move on with your day, wherever, whenever you have the next sales call or whatever it is that you need to do, it's done, right? And that's a pre-enrollment automation, okay? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So to, to clarify that you, as the, the business owner, fill out that automation and then it sends out a proposal to the, the, pro, the prospect you have. Yeah, and there's, there's a whole lot of other things, right? It will send out the proposal. If you use Goal High Level or whatever CRM, it, it might move the deal from one stage to another, right? Yeah. It might create a task in your project management, maybe for your executive assistant to follow up with this person, right? You do all sorts of things. But the main point here is if you're spending time having to duplicate proposals, if you're spending time having to do admin work just to freaking close a deal, chances are Zapier, Integromat, or Code can just do that for you, right? Yeah. You don't have to waste your time. Again, rule of three. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, and you notice like it's just the same words that you're putting on a Word document or Google Doc, it's like, just automate that, right? So yeah. that's the pre-enrollment automation. Now, if you implement that, let's like, if you have four, five, six sales calls a week, right? That's six hours. Right. If you do that every single day, Jesus Christ, that's like what 40 hours in a week. So that's the pre-enrollment automation. The next one is the well, now you know it's the enrollment automation. Once a client has said yes, you know, they've paid, they've signed the contract. Typically, onboarding for agencies, they, they look like this, right? They they send an email, typically a welcome email. It's like, hey, welcome to the welcome to the club, whatever it is. Here are your next steps, right? And then maybe book an onboarding call. Right. And after that, the typical agency will duplicate a task in, in Asana, or maybe, you know, they send a message in Slack or, you know, whatever it is, they tell their team that, Hey, you got to start doing the work because we have all, you know, we have a new client, right? So some agencies are a bit more advanced. Like they already have a template in Asana. Some of them, they literally have to write down tasks one by one, right? Mm -hmm. Now, after that, it's like, you have to assign due dates and it's all, it's just a whole lot of work. What the enrollment automation does is this client pace. Cool. All we have to do in our agency and in our business is I fill up an enrollment form or the salesperson fills up an enrollment form, welcome email gets sent out, folders in Google Drive created automatically, right? Mm -hmm. Asana project, your project management software, whatever it is that you do to assign tasks that gets duplicated. All the SOPs are in there. All the due dates are, are there. It's assigned to the right person, your account manager, your media buyer, all that good stuff, right? Without you having to lift a finger, right? It will, whatever it is that you need to do, it can create goal high level snapshots automatically, Right, whatever it is, as much like probably 70, 80% that you that of the things that you do when it comes to onboarding, you can automate that. Right. And yeah. here's that's here's the tricky situation, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. So it's like you kind of need to have that knowledge of Zapier Integromat to know like what's possible. But once you once you know that, it's like it's just it's crazy, right? The amount of, of power that you can have. Because that's easily five to ten hours of work per client that you save, right? From yourself and your team at the same time. Yeah. So that's enrollment automation. You implement those two things, you're golden. Like you can save so much time that you can again reinvest back into sales and marketing and just grow your business. 
if that makes sense. Dude, that's super valuable, guys. Definitely check out Franbo's group for this stuff so you get some, you know, get get those 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 trainings on that. That's super valuable. I think that that will help people save time. And this this leads me already to a topic which I'm super passionate about and I know you as well. And it's the topic of as a business owner, your personal life and your business are really intertwined, right? Especially, you know, the exception is if you're like this high-level business tycoon who just has teams running all of the businesses and he doesn't do anything anymore, you know, like that's the highest level kind of where you don't really have much influence on your business. You just make the decisions, right? But at the stage where you're still involved on working on your business, making crucial decisions for the business, then the way you show up in your personal life, the way you're having energy, your own habits, your own routines and so on, your mental clarity and sharpness will directly reflect in the quality of decisions that you make in your business, right? So the end goal of all of this is, of course, to make sure that you have time for the things that you enjoy the most, time to enjoy your life, time to enjoy the entrepreneurship process along the way anyway, and making sure that you you get out of that what you wanted to do. And so Let's talk a little bit about your own routines and your own things that you do and the own systems you have in your in your personal life, not only in your business, as you just explained, but in your personal life to make sure that, yeah, you also systemize and organize and enjoying the, your day um, as a business owner. So what would you say, right, from your experiences yourself, but also working with other agency owners, once you start outsourcing, systematizing your business, how would you go about doing the same thing in your personal life? And what are the most important things to focus on there for you? Yeah, that's an amazing area, man. And I think, you know, a lot of people can learn from you. I think you gave so much value in our group in terms of like having the right systems for consistent performance, right? And so um, I, I've learned a lot from you as well, right? In terms of like what, what systems put in place. Um, but I'll be honest, like I am, I'm not perfect when it comes to like, you know, having the right systems. I try my best, right? Um, Nobody's like, perfect, man. No one's perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. I... I used to be in that really, like, it was a dangerous mindset of, like, I would beat myself up for, like, just not being super consistent. It's, like, if you mm. miss a day, I'm, like, I suck. It's, like, that was, like, my negative self-talk. And I was, like, that wasn't healthy. Right? That wasn't healthy. Because, like, I always thought that, you know, the millionaires, the billionaires of the world, it's, like, they have all their habits down to science. And I'm, like, maybe not, right? But they do try. It. Like, they, tr they they get back to it, right? It's, like, they don't go maybe a day or two with, with being inconsistent with it, right? So um, so for me, man, it's like one of the biggest things is, is really sleep. It's like, I don't know. It's like you can drink all the supplements in the world and it's like you can journal as much as you can. And it's like, you know, all that good stuff. But if you've had three hours of sleep or four hours of sleep, like none of that's going to work, right? Yeah. That's just, I don't know. I don't know about like, what have you found? Right. 100% man sleep sleep you mentioned that as well in, in in the info when we talked about the points for this call you said sleep made you a better business owner right and so that's you said also you encourage your team uh to to sleep more and i think that's super crucial because if you check out books by matthew walker for example it was always thought the big three right sleep diet exercise the big three but now they even transition to saying it is actually sleep on which those other two rest, right? If your sleep isn't good, you will not be able to exercise properly. You will crave junk food because it didn't sleep well. So it's really nailing down the sleep first. And I would say a lot of people, they just underestimate the power of sleep. And there's a lot of grind hustle mentality out there. 
And what would you say? Is it is it mainly mindset? Is it main? You know, also because it goes back to the same question: Why do people not outsource enough? Why do people not systemize enough? Is it lack of knowledge, uh, or is it a mindset that you know is a mindset problem? You know, for for sleep, what would be mindset problem would be: Oh yeah, I need to hustle, 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 and I, I don't need sleep, right? That's what an entrepreneur does. And um, the other thing would be, oh, they, I, they just don't know that sleep is so important and how to optimize it. And that same thing is true for for um, for systemizing. Is it that people don't know that systemizing is so important, or is it a mindset problem that the ego goes in the way? So I think there's two parallels, you know, in, in personal and business. What what's your take on that? You know, honestly, it's like you need to shift the beliefs of people because I went to university thinking because like. In my surrounding, right, when it comes to you creating your thesis in, in university, it's like you don't sleep. Like that was the that was the narrative at that time. So I was like, well, if society believes that to be true, then it's probably true. So I was like, all right, I won't sleep. So I was like, let's do this. That was normal for me. So I think we need to shift the belief of, of society and the industry to where it's like, it's okay to sleep. Like it's okay to give time for yourself and rest. And it actually helps you to become a much better entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. I think Killian, like maybe you, you were like you worked for corporate, right? Like was that a a car company? Like before you did the whole consistent. Exactly. I did. Exactly right. I worked in a in a in a German multinational car company. Yeah. Right. So it's like, why do they have, you know, like maintenance for cars? One, maybe to make money for the dealership. But second, it's like, you know, it's like you want the car to run much longer, right? That's why you put the car into maintenance, because if you don't, at some point the car will stop working. And maybe yeah. it's the exact same thing for us humans. I don't know. I haven't cracked the code yet, but it's like, I just know that if I have a good night's sleep, right. I follow, I follow some like certain rules for me to become better at sleep. It's like, I just, I just get more shit done right in the day. Yeah. I'm just more focused. It's just more clear. And it's like, the reason that I started to believe that sleep was important is because I started listening to people like you, right. I started pe listening to people that actually took the time to sleep and see that, Hey, they can actually like, they're successful too. So it's like, why can I do that? Right. So you just kind of have to shift that belief. And that ego is a big thing, too. It's like, you know, if, if you watch Wolf of Wall Street, if, if, if you follow all these like movies where it's like people aren't sleeping, maybe that's like that's like your image of success. And, mm. you know, like if that's your image of success, then you'll start to become that person. And so maybe it's time to start changing that image of yourself. Right. What do you think? I love that, man. And it goes back what you said to in the beginning that you got to be clear on what you really want, right? It goes back to the initial question, why do I have an agency, right? And for a lot of people, they design their life so it supports the business. But I, I hear you're saying that your philosophy is more targeted towards, you want to shift towards designing your business so that in the end, it supports your life, right? So that you achieve your goals that you have for everything, that the that the business doesn't become kind of this, this cage where you're trapped in, right? And you don't enjoy being in there. So I think that is the big question that you ask yourself, what do I want to get out of this? And then, then you shift basically towards uh, making sure that business and personal arenas are living at the same level and you don't have to sacrifice for one for the other. I think that's yeah. super important. And you know what you said as well is um, you have a special uh, priming ritual where, where it's about energy and how you prime yourself for the day. Can you talk more about this? I think that sounds super interesting. Yeah, so two things. Well, before we dive into that, I just want to make this point of like, 
you know, while you can design your business to kind of, you know, give to yourself, right? I think it comes in, in, in stages, right? It's like, first stage is like, how can I get more from my business? But then you get to a point in business where it's like, how can I give back, right? I just want to make that clear. Where It's like, it's not always about you as well, right? Because at some point you get to a certain level, it's like the money, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Like it doesn't really, it's like whether you double your income or not, it's like, it doesn't really matter at that point. But it's, what matters is, okay, how can I give back to other people? And that gives you energy, right? So, yeah. um, on to the next stage, it's like, when it comes to priming myself, well, let's talk about sleep first. I, I don't know where I got this. I think it was some ebook somewhere. I had no idea. But it's like, I follow this 10, 3, 2, 1 rule. I don't know who made this. Um, you know, if I don't credit them, I'm sorry. But it's like, 10 hours before you sleep, no caffeine, right? Maybe you kill you and you have something like this. But 10 hours before you sleep, no caffeine. Three hours before you sleep, that's like your last meal and like no alcohol, right? Two hours before you sleep, work is done. And then an hour before you sleep, gadgets are off, right? Yeah, I know when I when I do that, it's like I sleep like a baby, right? If I don't, it's like if I miss something, it's like it's just harder, right? So, so you have anything like that? Like, yeah, man. First of all, you directly anticipated the question we have here on the live stream. And as, as a Facebook user says, any good books on best practices for sleep? And I think it is the book, uh, the perfect day formula by Craig Valentine. Uh, yeah, that, that you, one. Yep. I Rudy think Ebo. I think that's yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's the one. He basically uh, talks about this with the ten, three, two, one rule, and that's that's amazing. I would say the same. Apart from that, for sleep, there is one. What was the name? Twenty one smart smarter sleep or something like this 21 practices for better sleep i don't know the author uh but the that's a great book you can you can check out on sleep as well but in the end what you realize by that three to one rule is that the way you behave throughout the day you know it starts even 10 hours before sleep right with the right. caffeine uh, that impacts your sleep and it's not only that it's also did you get enough light did you move enough see it all the time clients of mine now the gym's open, getting back to the gym, lifting weights, sleep is much deeper at night, right? So it's like everything is intertwined. And if you're a business owner and you work still at night, chances are you will not have good sleep. Your mind is active and so on. So yeah, to answer the question, check out that book, um, The Perfect Day Formula, and also the this 21 Smarter Sleep Strategies book. And uh, that should help you as well. We're just downloading right. Julian's ebook, man. I mean, yeah, download that as well. Yeah, I don't want to make too much, too much advertisement for my free PDFs, <laughs> but free PDFs are always good. So there you check go. that out in our group. We have a free PDF on that as well, and a sleep training in the guide section. Apart from that, let's talk about energy because energy hmm. management throughout the day is key. So how do you manage energy, and what about that priming ritual? Yeah, so I have a couple. Um, when it comes to priming, I just I figured this out like. A month ago, right? And it's like it all starts with the letter M, right? When I wake up, I follow like certain like M's. So it's like wake up, it's like movement to so just go around, right? Get your body moving, right? I listen to music, that's still an M, right? Focus music, whatever it is, something just like prime myself, right? I drink matcha. I've I've gone away with coffee, so I drink matcha because it has L T N N, you know. So that's the letter M. I I meditate, right? After I meditate, nice. I read my morning formula, right? So it's still an M. So it's kind of like morning formula is just like my vision for myself and all that. I'm not sure if I missed anything, but it's like, it's all M's. It's so easy to remember, right? <laughs> like that's it. It's yeah. like five M's, you do that, you're done. So now it's kind of like how I prime myself to start. That's so good. And, and you mentioned you, you use the four elements. Is that included? Oh, yeah. Earth, air, fire, light, water? Yeah. So it was like, Dude, I just want to simplify things. It's like, there's so much stuff out there. I'm like, I'm confused. So it's like, let me just simplify this, right? So I was like the five M's, 
And then the four elements was like, when I get out of my room, if I just find the four elements, I'll be fine. Right. So it's like, mm. drink a glass of water, get some fresh air. Earth nice. was just like, touch the ground. So like literally just like do a push up or like just get out there, like walk around. Right. And then fire is more of like sunlight, like just get some sunlight. And that's it. Dude, that's, like, that's so good. I've never heard this. <laughs> this is such a good. Man, I'm going to start coaching good. people with my four elements. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's such a good analogy, actually. And yeah. you could also say that earth, you know, it's actually if you have access to uh, grass or just the ground, literally, you walk out there barefoot. That's actually grounding, man. That's actually very healthy for you, uh, for your and, feet and also for everything. Yeah. And in our group, you mentioned something about like having some time to go to the forest, right? Like something like that. Um, nature. I think that was the one thing that you taught us in our group. Yeah, exactly. And fresh air is also super important. Sunlight in the morning is also super key. So yeah. So guys, use the four elements to prime yourself for the day. That's amazing. Apart from that, man, you mentioned also one thing I want to get into quickly is time audits and structure as a path to freedom. Right. And you're saying that it basically you use that for the business and but also for your for your personal days, right? And we talked touched about how structure can give you freedom, but how do you use now those time audits to make sure you're being really efficient and effective? So for our organization, like for our company, every every single person, including the founders, we use Hubstaff. Like we religiously, whenever we start work, we just we time ourselves. Right. That's mm -hmm. like, I'm working on this client. Okay. Start. Right. I'm working on something else. Start. Right. In our personal life, it's like every, say, three or four months, I have like a, a week or two where it's like I audit every single thing that I do. Right. Without being judgmental. It's like whatever happens, happens. Right. And the reason I like to do that is I want to make sure that the vision that I have for myself is aligned with who I am today without being judgmental about it. Right. If like, if I miss certain things, it's fine. What's important is you have that self-awareness. And I feel like if you do that, like if you just audit yourself, right, you start to see the gaps and you just start to improve yourself, right? There's no improvement that happens if you don't even know where you are currently. So yeah. every quarter, it's like I spend a week or two just auditing myself, but it's like every time we work, it's like we have hub staff, like even right now, like I have like in my little screen here, it's like I have my timer for marketing. It's like, you know, this is a, this is a show. So it's like, When I look back in my quarter, I can figure out like, okay, I've spent too much time in one area, area of the business, which I don't really want to do that, right? So it's like, what can I do in the next quarter to make sure that I fix that? And it's like, in a way, it gives you freedom because if you don't even know where your time is going, it's like, you might reach the end of the day and you're like, where the hell is my time going? Well, it's like, mm -hmm. well, duh, you don't know because you're not auditing yourself. So it's like, if you want to free yourself, like say for, for me, like for Q1, I feel like I spent a bit too much time trying to work with, I think, what was that? Like some of the spreadsheets that we have going on. It's like, it was fun for me, but it's like, that's not what I should be doing as an owner. So I was like, for Q2, I'm going to limit that for like an hour a week and that's it. So it's like, now I have freedom back. Like I have my time back. If I wasn't aware of that, then I would probably still be doing random shit, right? So mm -hmm. that's kind of like how I do it in terms of like, okay, let's, let's use another example. And it depends, right? If you're starting out, you might not have this amount of freedom, but it's like when you're at scale, you could. It's like, I know Mondays are for strategy and thinking, right? I, I take no calls on a Monday, right? Tuesdays might be for, for sales and marketing. Wednesdays might mm -hmm. be for product development. Thursdays might be for, you know, whatever. And Fridays, there's a theme for it as well, right? So it's like adding structure in your day. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's just, it's freeing. I don't know, man. I don't know how to explain it. But it's like, when you add structure, it's like, you just know that 
your work is done, it's like now you can do anything else or right? everything that you want yeah. to do in your life. So does that make sense? That that makes total sense. I love that example. So you're saying you use HubSpot, HubStaff, sorry, HubStaff, HubStaff yeah. is, HubStaff is the, the, the thing for timing yourself and your staff. And so you do that in your in your work hours. And I think that's super important, uh, having quarterly reviews and auditing yourself there as well. What do you do in your personal life? Do you have some form of time tracking there or do you just go with your feeling of where you spend your time on also on a quarterly basis? How do you do it there? So I have an alarm when it's it's when it's audit week, right? When it's audit week, um, I set an alarm for every hour, right? And it's like every hour my alarm goes off. And all I all I do is I have a notebook. I just jot mm. down what did I do in the last hour? Okay. At the end of the week, I open the notebook up in my in my weekly reflection and I just fill out a simple spreadsheet of like what I did and I just have color coding, right? Like what did I do? Okay, this is like I was just screwing around like from mm. five to seven. Right. Maybe in the morning I was doing my morning rituals. I was exercising. Right. So I just put that in a spreadsheet. And because it's color coded, it's like, oh, I know that I'm spending a lot of time here. So a very simple process. Audit week, set an alarm, an hour, every hour, just write down what you did. And then at the end of the week, just put that in a spreadsheet and just look at it. Just analyze it. And then just make, you know, reflect on that and just figure out, okay, I need to change a few things moving forward. And then you move on. So yeah, man, that's uh, the time audit process. I love it. That that's so good. Basically setting a timer and then briefly reviewing in a spreadsheet how where your time went. And basically one thing you can also check, uh, maybe an interesting tool is called Rescue Time. I don't know Ooh. if you've heard about this, but that's another tool you can install on your computer and also your uh, smartphone. And it basically tracks where you've been spending your time on that. So if you're a lot on your smartphone, like we all probably are, and on your computer, then we'll see where your time is going. And then you'd see also, you know, if you can reduce that. So that that's another helpful tool. I was going to say, it's an interesting activity, man, like time audit. I was so against it before, right? Because I was like, well, why do you want to be, why do you want to micromanage yourself or micromanage other people? But then I realized you're not micromanaging. You're giving, you're giving them opportunities to become better, right? As long as you frame it the right way. I know there are organizations out there that they do micromanage people, but it's like, that's not what we do. Ours is more of like, okay, if you know where your time is going and if you don't like it, you can change that. You can shift it. And now yeah. you're more proactive about it, right? So just a quick side note there. And the thing is this, I think what you're saying is also super important to know that you need to have the tools to make effective change on the realizations. So what do I mean by that? If you do a uh, time audit now, right? You say, okay, I did this audit now. It took some willpower to get myself doing it, but I did it, you know, and I see how where my time is going and I see, oh, I waste some time here. I waste some time there. I shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, right? So for business side of things, you want to follow what Franbo is teaching. You want to definitely use those automations, those outsourcing and get in your zone of genius and, and scale your agency like this. But what I see a lot in your personal areas, for example, people are wasting time in the evening on random YouTube videos. They don't really make them happy and they wanted to read something instead, right? Didn't get to it and go to bed too late. Then very often I see people just say this, check the phone less as goal for the month, right? Or watch less YouTube video or read more instead. But this is not... This is not how you're going to be consistent. This is just, yeah. again, you don't under address the underlying issue. That's why this structure and this freedom comes when you have methods for implementing better systems in your personal life. And that can be app blocking setups, 
right? You can't check these websites anymore. Or you set up a good habit, a good routine that's easy to follow in the evening for, you know, winding down, having an evening routine, reading something instead, and having all these other things blocked out, right? So that's what I would say that this is a super important concept for people to think about that this, what we talked about in your personal, in your, in the business, this systemization automation Use that same mindset in your personal life. Make it easy on yourself. Like with that onboarding automation, have also some automations like that in your personal life so you can actually stick to those goals that you derive from the time audit. It's beautiful, man. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And this leads me to one topic I want to get into. And this is the topic of OKRs. And so this is something which is really fascinating because it's another pillar which tells us that you know you can use it for your business but you can also use it for your personal life and for people who don't know what okrs are objective and key results a lot of people they 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 swear by it in in uh, in the business side of things and but you can also and should use it for your personal life it's very helpful so frambo tell us a little bit how do you use okrs you can tell us about business but also personal and yeah what's your approach with that yeah so okrs man it's really just it's, it's a way to manage goals, right? For the organization, even for yourself, right? So it's like, you know, one of the main kind of blockers for people being able to achieve their goals is like, they have too much goals and there's no, you know, either they have too much goals or they don't know what success looks like, right? For their mm. goal, like there's no timeline, right? So no. all, all OKRs do is just like, just give you that direction and keep everyone accountable. Now, like what you said, OKRs means objectives and key results, right? We didn't make this. This was like done like years and years ago by many different companies. I think Google is a, is a famous company that uses this, but it's just a way to structure your goals. So an objective is something that's, you know, it's it's not quantifiable. It's like, it's it's vision driven. It's like, there's there's flowery words to it. Um, and it's like, you know, like that's what you want to be. Like that's that's the vision that you want. A key result is the measure of success. It's like, how do you know that you've actually achieved the goal? So let's use a personal example, right? For me, one of my personal OKRs is I want to feel good shirtless, right? Mm -hmm. I want to feel good shirtless. I like if I don't have any measure of success, like I would probably have no idea how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But a better way to structure your goal is that's your objective, like objective, feel good shirtless. How do I know I've achieved that? Well, for me, it's like I, I work with a personal trainer. So it's like, I know that if I get to a certain like weight with my squats, then I've achieved a certain level of strength. And I've probably toned my body at this stage, at that stage yeah. in the future. Right. So it's like, one of my key result is squat one rep, 300 pounds. Right. I'm so far away from that. But I know that if I'm able to squat 300 pounds, I've probably built up enough muscle and strength. Right. Another is, you know, bench press, right? 250 pounds, one rep, deadlift, right? 350 pounds, one rep. Like these are the metrics that I know that if I hit that, chances are I'd probably feel good shirtless at that stage in life, yeah. right? And it's so much easier because it's like, now it's like, I don't even have to worry about feeling good shirtless. I just need to hit those key results, right? Yeah. Another personal OKR that I have is I want to expand my worldview, right? I want to expand my knowledge and all that. Right. Mm -hmm. If I don't have key results, like if I don't have measure of success, like I would, I wouldn't know how to do that. Like maybe just read a book here and there. But the key result for me is 20 books completed by the end of the year. Right. Nice. And then, um, I'm like reading different like news articles just to kind of expand my worldview. So it's like 30 kind of articles every quarter. 
right? From like different news sources, just so I can feed my mind with like what's going on in the world, right? So that way, it's like, I don't even have to worry about how I'm going to expand my worldview. I just need to focus on finishing the book and reading articles every quarter, right? And that translates into business, right? So for business, it's like one of the uh, objectives that we have in, in the marketing department is become, you know, become known in the agency industry, right? Like that's like, that's like an objective. So it's like, how do we know we've reached that area of success? When one of our key results is like, this is actually a key result, right? Get interviewed 40 times this year, right? Yeah. So once this, this particular interview is done, right? With me and Killian, I go back to the drawing board where all our OKRs live and it's like, I add one more. So it's like, all right, we're closer to becoming known in the agency industry, right? So it's just a way to, to like keep everyone accountable and just like give you direction with your goals. And it's a lot of fun because it's like, it's so easy to measure it, right? It's like, you know, read a book. You need to squat 300 pounds. Well, where am I now? I'm 200. So it's like, okay, I just need to move forward every single day and not have to build up anxiety of like having to figure out how to do all of this, this shit, right? So it's like, um, that's like the, the whole objective and key result thing. You can use it for business. Mostly it's been used for business, but it's like, I found that you can actually implement it in your own personal life. Yeah, that, that's so good. The final thing I would ask you about this is how many of those OKRs are too many in your opinion, especially, you know, business is a different story because it depends on your, um, on the business. It depends how, how big is your team is, you know, it depends if you're setting them on a business level or department level and so on. And, but for your personal life, What do you think? How many OKRs are too many? I just follow the business framework, like the business kind of structure where it's like three, right? So yeah. three objectives and then within an objective, three key results. Nothing more than yeah. that. If you get more than that, it's like you start to lose focus. So for me, it's like three objectives for the year, three key results for each objective, and that's it, right? Just keep things simple. Yeah. I love that, man. Dude, this has been super value-packed. We're nearly 50 minutes in already. And uh, yeah, I, I'm so excited, man, to have you on the show. And people now listening, we have a bunch of viewers here uh, live as well. And people want to learn more about where, what you guys are up to at Agency Rocket Fuel, more about you, more about what you're up to and what you can help people with. Where should people go? Yeah, two places. You know, you can check us out at agencyrocketfuel.com. Um, you can also join our free Facebook group. So we have a ton of automations that we share there, you know, project management secrets and, and fulfillment stuff. And we give so much stuff for free. It, it, it's crazy, right? Like we literally walk you through everything, like in setting up automations. Like you don't even have to become a private client. And a lot of people, they just, they just enjoy that. So um, our Facebook group is called the Seven Figure Agency Systems, right? Just search that. And then the logo, the cover photo is like a, a rocket, like mission control place right so if you don't if you can't find it just search for my name like Fran Rasbidia it's it's one of the links in my in my bio so definitely guys check out that group click join i'm in there as well i can highly recommend this group we made also um uh, an interview there so there's lots of value in there the trainings are epic so do yourself a favor and join that group Fredbo, man that has been a pleasure thanks for being on the show and guys uh yeah thanks for listening Thanks, Julian. I enjoyed this so much. Did you like this episode and want to learn more? Check out the show notes. In there, you'll find all the links and resources from this episode. But remember, only listening to the podcast will not change much unless you start implementing and executing on what you have learned consistently. 
Would you like to know if we might be able to help you take your performance to the next level? Then go to KillianMarket.com and apply for your free consultation call. On this call, we'll help you come up with a performance game plan to level up your daily productivity and energy and grow your business the most efficient way possible without sacrificing yourself, your health or burning out along the way. Head over to KillianMarket.com and apply for your call now.